Hello, I am your host, Tabari McCoy, and welcome to A Tight 45. A Tight 45 is brought to you by Everybody's Records, located at 6106 Montgomery Road in the Pleasant Ridge neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio. Everybody's Records has been independently slinging music for 42 years. Swing in and dive into a deep catalog of music, including vinyl, or bring in your own CDs or LPs for cash or trade. Listening in from out of town? Be sure to check out their website at www.everybodysrecords.com. gentlemen and welcome to this episode of a tight 45 thank you for tuning in to today's episode because if you are a sports fan if you are a cincinnati sports fan you are going to like this episode because i have the pleasure on this particular episode of speaking with cincinnati Bengals legendary quarterback kenny ken if you will Anderson joins me for this episode where we get the chance to talk about, of course, football, but also his work through his foundation, the Ken Anderson Alliance, with all the good things that they are doing for disabled adults throughout the greater Cincinnati region. And it's a very fun conversation. Kenny is uh, energetic and it's all get out. I hope I have that much energy when I'm 72, because I know that right now, most days I feel like I could use a nap, but that's because I don't sleep well for the most part. I just don't. My insomnia is terrible. It's probably something with my diet. Who knows what it is? All I know is that Advil PM, and I have a bad habit I found out of giving all these unsolicited endorsements, but Advil PM is the only thing that usually works for me. But Following up on last week's episode with Miss Alexandra Worley, we have Ken Anderson on, and that's right, it's two football-themed podcasts back-to-back on the first week of the new baseball season. Why do I have football going on during baseball season? Because they're all busy playing games that we get to watch on TV, and even though most of the capacities, save for Texas are limited we get a chance to watch the games and then get a chance to go to the games i have a ticket to go to a game with a friend of mine here shortly and then i'm going to go to an upcoming reds game and pick up an eric davis funko pop to add to my growing collection of memorabilia that most single women will see one day and be like nah but here's the thing baby just let me have the basement in a nice full bedroom house and we good i keep it museum quality it's not scary it's not a 40 year old virgin type of situation although i do handle it with the same level of care you know what if i keep going down this road it ain't gonna do me any favors so i'm gonna switch topics that's all right so in any case this episode cincinnati Bengals legend ken anderson joins me for it and it is getting nice outside uh i guess global warming could be real who knows uh you know i'm not a scientist but i do know that it has not been 76 degrees in the first week of april in cincinnati in a long time that i can remember so i'm not saying i'm just saying and that's all that i'm gonna say about that why is that all i'm gonna say about that because i am trying to get out of the habit and avoid completely arguing with people online because it's not worth it because you're not going to change anybody's opinion and we all know that thanks to the power of social media everybody no matter how ridiculous it may be now voices their opinion freely and quickly as much as they want thanks to the internet so at this point in time I'm just trying to avoid it. I'm trying to put my energy into other things. I'm trying to put energy into my house, which means I'm putting money into my house. Because even though I don't cook, yes, I'm a grown man who can't cook. I got to learn. I'm trying to learn. I had a friend of mine. Well, I still have a friend of mine. She's still with us. Who is a chef who was going to teach me how to do it. And then a pandemic struck. So now I got to try and figure that out again. Although I can make some mean bacon. I can make some bacon that make, make a girl go, well, you know, that was a good slice. Like I make some good bacon when I get up on that grill or that fryer, if you will. But just trying to hang in there and put my energy into things. Like here are things I never thought I would like, like gardening. I know why people garden now. My mom loves gardening. When I was a kid, I'm like, why is she messing with those flowers like that? They look pretty, but eh, they ain't worth it. 
there is something to be said for a nice manicured yard. You know, I have no desires really to move to New York or LA. I know my, I'm, I know I'm, I'm a bit of a more simple, easygoing dude. So I feel like those two cities would eat me alive, uh, spit me out, and then hand me over to seconds uh, to somebody else. Like Chicago is like as big as I need in terms of like pace and size and everything else. Like I ain't hating New York or LA. I'm just saying, um, y'all ain't for me. Uh, for the most part. And someone says, well, Tabara, you've never been to New York or L.A. How can you say that? Uh, every TV show and major movie in the world is set in L.A. or uh, New York. Occasionally we get Miami. Every once in a blue moon we get Chicago. And then if like a girl like Reese Witherspoon needs to go find a new love, we get like Elizabeth Town or somebody go to Pittsburgh. We don't get that many movies outside those two areas. It's like the movie industry forgets that there's a rest of the country. Maybe there's a really dope store we can watch in Montana. I mean, Fargo was dope. And I guarantee you that probably four out of 10 Americans can't find Fargo on the map. They don't even know what state it's in. And before you say, Tabari, do you know what state it's in? Yes, I do. But it's my podcast. So I ain't got to answer to you. I just want you to sit there, shut up, listen, and enjoy the conversation, which coming up after this break, you get a chance to hear my fun, nice, easygoing conversation with Mr. Ken Anderson. Once again, Cincinnati Bengals legend, although he did win a Super Bowl ring with the rival Pittsburgh Steelers. But we're going to get into that on the podcast. So coming up after the musical break, my conversation with Mr. Kenny Anderson on this episode of A Tight 45. Ladies and gentlemen, for this episode of A Tight 45 is a man that if you are a Cincinnati native like I am, or even a football fan, who knows of the more rough and tumble days of the 1970s and 80s when John Facenda, whose voice I can't imitate, would talk about all the greats of the gridiron. The man is a very accomplished individual. He is a four-time Pro Bowl quarterback, the 1981 NFL MVP, and he led my beloved hometown Bengals to their first Super Bowl appearance in the 1980s where some guy named Joe Montana and some coach named Bill Walsh, it it was a thing. Ladies and gentlemen, he's also the namesake of the Ken Anderson Alliance, an organization, a nonprofit that works to help people with different disabilities live their life to the fullest of their potential. I am joined by Mr. Ken Anderson. Mr. Anderson, how are you today, sir? Well, I'm doing great now that I'm finally with you. So thank you for lining this up. And I'm really honored to be on your show. Thank you very much, sir. So as you know, well, we got a lot of things I would love to talk to you about. And I know that you're a man with precious time. So I first I have to say, because it's an audio only podcast, but I put video out on social media. And for those of you that are going to see these clips, uh, the background that Mr. Anderson right now has is phenomenal. Uh, As a football fan, as a Bengals fan, as a sports memorabilia collector myself, that's a very nice arrangement. I'm just curious, how did you decide what mementos from your career you've wanted to keep and immortalize over the years? Well, I don't know that uh, right above me is, is Joe Green t- chasing me once again. <laughs> so that was kind of a, a limited edition one. And then the one right behind me of the Bengal tiger was a print we did when I was working with Easter seals. And then I'm trying to think, I think that, uh, I don't know which one is which, but the Bill Walsh is on one side, out of yes. Rams on the other. So, yes. Uh, it's, no, but it's just a, a lot of fun things that uh, that make memories great. Very nice. And, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, you've had a long and storied career uh, and you grew up uh, in the state of Illinois, where it is my understanding, according to Wikipedia, that you were actually neighbors with basketball great Dan Issel. Yeah, uh, Dan, of course, is a, an NBA Hall of Famer, you know, All-American University of Kentucky. And 
our backyards adjoined each other. And, you know, Batavia is a small town and he was a year older, but, you know, everybody played every sport. So mm -hmm. Dan and I played baseball together, basketball together. He played football, uh, didn't play football his senior year in high school. I, you know, but no, we've been uh, great friends. And in fact, I see him once a year. He's got a golf tournament down in Louisville. Mm -hmm. uh, he's with an organization there trying to get an NBA franchise in Louisville. So I get to see him at least once a year. Very nice. And, you know, of course, as I mentioned before, you're known for football fans throughout your career. And we'll get into some of the, those things here in a little bit, because if I didn't talk to you about football, it would kind of be having it'd be kind of like talking to Picasso and not talking about painting. So, you know, I'll get to that in a moment. But um, as I had mentioned in the introduction, you are also the namesake of the Ken Anderson Alliance, a nonprofit organization um, that you started several years ago. And I know that there's information on the website, which people should be able to go to, and there will be a link, ladies and gentlemen, for you to follow uh, following today's uh, following this podcast. But I was just curious, for those who are maybe not familiar with the story, in your own words, can you talk a little bit about what your foundation does and the impetus that led to it starting with your nephew? Yeah, well, our, our mission is to create live, work, and engage opportunities for adults with developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. And it, it started in, in the 90s that uh, my wife has a nephew who's severely autistic. Mm -hmm. And he was in a group facility in Pedro, Ohio, and he kind of aged out, um, you know, when he was 22, when we were trying to find better living arrangements for him because they were very limited. And, you know, our goal was to help him live his life to the fullest, whatever that fullest may be. Mm -hmm. And we worked extremely hard uh, towards that. We, our idea was we wanted to build a community where they could live safely together. And uh, so we were going along and uh, I got a call from the mayor of Cincinnati who was very supportive of what we were doing. And he said, you know, there's a group of Down syndrome parents trying to do the same thing you are, put us in touch with them. And we merged together to form the Ken Anderson Alliance. And right now we have oh, over 20 engaged programs a month that service about 120 adults a month that get them out of the community, whether it's playing putt-putt mm -hmm. putt golf, going out to dinner. Um, at our office, uh, we've merged with another nonprofit. And, and, and so we've got some space there. They go there for game nights and, and different you know, activities there as well. Um, we have our work programs. We actually have an aquaponics venture up and running where we employ people there so it's a real job with real wages and we've purchased 22 acres in springfield township on northwest cincinnati mm -hmm. and we have actually it's all designed it's laid out and we are going to build a community that'll house 170 adults we'll have a community center there and another a larger aquaponics venture there um, that'll have a, a cafe for people to come in there we'll have a, a multi-purpose ball field not only for our residents, for, but for the community to use. And the exciting thing about that is that both the bank or all, I should say the Bengals and the Reds and FC Cincinnati will participate in getting that ball field done. So it's a, a lot of exciting times and we're, we're very proud. And my wife is the impetus behind this and works very hard, you know, for that to, to get things done. So uh, we're, we're really excited about what's going on. Very nice. It sounds pretty exciting. And obviously there's a lot to go going on with that. And well, you know, well, if, you ever, if you ever need any Bengal gear, go to KenAndersonAlliance.org. If you need a signed jersey or a helmet or we got a great t-shirt of Isaac Curtis and mm -hmm. I who's one of my, my closest friends. Uh, we have bath bombs that our, our, our adults make a lot of different things that you could buy on there. So it's kind of a, a one, a, a one stop shop. If you need anything, uh, that's KenAndersonAlliance.org. There you go. And, you know, a lot of different factors of our lives over the past year have been hit by this, you know, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, how difficult has it been for a nonprofit um, to deal with this ongoing pandemic that we've had over the past year? Well, you know, so many of our fundraisers have been canceled that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, two years ago that Andy and Dalton and I, uh, did a, a great uh, thing together, uh, partnered together. It was uh, Legends Past and Present. And we had a, a big night down at one of the, the club lounges at the Bengals Stadium and raised a lot of money. 
-hmm. And last year it was going to be Super Bowl legends and Boomer Esiason was coming in and I was having players from his team, players from my team for another great night. And of course we had to cancel that due to the pandemic. Our golf outing got canceled. Uh, so I started doing uh, from my garage uh, some happy hours, uh, mm -hmm. keystones with Kenny and, you know, had guys, you know, uh, Johnny bench was on Archie Manning, Dan Fouts, a lot of great guests that we've had on. Mm -hmm. So we, we hope to start that up again, but it's a way for us to raise money. Understood. And, you know, you have pretty much ingrained yourself to the Cincinnati community. You know, you've been here since you got here in the 1970s when you were a third round pick. You've been here when you were coaching with Jacksonville, Pittsburgh. I was just, you know, what is it about the uh, Cincinnati community that has made you uh, want to stay in the area? Because obviously it's the Midwest. I know you're a Midwest guy like I am, but, you know. People think athletes, they think about going to the glamorous parts of California, maybe, uh, you know, the vibrant big lights of New York City or Florida, where there's, I, I believe, no income tax. So if I can ever hit the lottery, I might have to get that second home myself, I guess. But, uh, you know, what is it about the Cincinnati community that you made you want to stay here all these years? Well, I got to tell you, Tabari, that I actually live in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Oh, that, that, that is where we are full time. But because uh, my three kids are still in the Cincinnati area and mm -hmm. my grandchildren are still in the Cincinnati area and my wife's family is still in the Cincinnati area, that we get back there, well, before the pandemic, that we average about a week a month going mm -hmm. back there the, okay. the grandkids and for the foundation. So, no, but, I, but you know, Cincinnati is just a, a special place. I grew up, you know, outside Chicago, a little farm town called Batavia, Illinois, mm -hmm. as you said. But Cincinnati uh, was always one of those places that it was big enough that it had everything you wanted, but small enough that you felt a part of it. And, uh, you know, obviously my, my wife grew up there uh, over in Northern Kentucky, and that's where we kind of spent most of our life. But it's just uh, a, a great place. And uh, gosh, there was just a, a big article uh, my wife showed me today about uh, uh, Emilio Estevez. Mm -hmm. uh, He's got the new thing coming out with the Mighty Ducks you yes. know, on, on the Disney Channel. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, how he loves Cincinnati and actually has bought a place in Over the Rhine. You know, it's, it's got a great culture there. There's a lot of things to do. Uh, the, we, you know, we have every sport that you can have uh, in Cincinnati. So it's just uh, a very special place to us, for us. I understand. You know... I was curious because, you know, you've had a chance to, you know, be in all these different cities and tour and do these all different events. Do you sometimes feel like the Midwest gets a bad rap from people who are like, oh, it's farmland or the flyover states? You know, because, you know, you have a chance to, you know, you've been around and been able to have different experiences. Do you, you know, cause, but you still have like that Midwest work ethic. Do you sometimes feel like we get a bad rap being in the oh, middle of the country? Don't know better. You know, because I mean, this, you know, like I say, Cincinnati is, is a, a great town and, you know, and, and, and I remember, I, I think part of the reason for my success is, you know, my mom was an office manager in a factory. My dad, dad was the high school custodian. We grew up in a small town and, and there, there was no rich, no poor, uh, you know, there, it just, everybody worked hard and, and got along together and, you know, I, I had a lot of great teammates growing up, uh, you know, whether it, it, it's black, white or Hispanic, you know, we're all on the same team. We all got along. And, you know, I, I think that was, it was such a great atmosphere for us. And, and I think Cincinnati is that way to a, a great extent. And that's why I felt very comfortable there in you know, all my years. Understood. And, you know, growing up, as you said, you played all different sports and, you know, football is pretty much America's dominant sport now. But back in, you know, 60s and 70s, it was it was kind of like baseball for the most part. And then around the 1970s with the Super Bowl era and things of that nature, football became a little bit more dominant. Um, what was it like, uh, you know, being a, a pretty good athlete growing up at the time when football was starting to take its peak and you were starting to come into your own as a young as a young man in America? Well, you know, it, it, I wasn't recruited out of high school by anybody bigger than Augustana College, a Division III program. And mm -hmm. I actually went there to play basketball and baseball. Oh. My high school football coach talked me into trying out for the football team. And in fact, I've got the letter hanging up uh, on one of the walls over here where, I, in fact, I think it's dated June 28th that I wrote Coach Strength with Augustana asking to try out for the football team. Mm-hmm. 
And he wrote back and said, yes, we'd like to have you. Of course, in those days, Division Three, they take any warm body to fill out their roster. And uh, but if he just said, hey, listen, you know, we got enough quarterbacks here. You know, I said, OK, I'll, I'll go there to play basketball and baseball. I never would have played football, but, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of worked out for me there. And I, I, I started for four years on the football team. I started I uh, was a starting guard as a freshman on the basketball team. And but baseball, all of a sudden uh, that spring came and and I've been the starting quarterback uh, as a freshman on, the, on the, the football team and the basketball team. And. The baseball coach calls, hey, we're hitting, take a batting practice down in the bus barns. I said, I'm a little tired right now. I think I'm going to take the spring off. But, okay. you know, it, it was, you know, that was a, a fun era of football. And, you know, the, the Steelers were great in that era when the Bengals drafted me. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the big television contracts didn't come around until after I retired. We had a, a, a lot of years that I played for 18,000, 20, 22, 25. Um, in that era, everybody, uh, when the season ended, you got a job. There was mm-hmm. no off-season program. Everybody went to work. You had a three-day mini camp sometime in the spring, but training camp would start July seventh, mm-hmm. and we were, you know we'd be in training camp till September fifteenth to play six preseason games. So our our off-season program was all training camp in those days. Mm-hmm. And you know the NFL has changed so much almost almost more than almost any other sport it's, it, it would almost it, one could argue um in the time from when you first played to what it is today um and you know you've been on both sides of it now as both a player and a coach when you look at the way that the nfl has changed um what you know what do you think about just what it's like to be a player now demands on time demands on family because obviously fans the word fan is short for fanatic and we think we know the game and things of that nature but to be in that environment every day over the course of well you retired in 2010 so about four decades or or more than half your life just you know can you talk a little bit about just what it's like to see how the NFL and football has changed from when you were a young man to the present? Well, I, I think it's been great as far as the players are concerned, because, you know, there's a lot of money involved with it. I mean, every mm-hmm. NFL team is worth a billion dollars and the new TV contract they signed is worth billions of dollars and the players are getting their share of it. And you look at what players are signing for in free agency and, and, and things are happening. And I, the players deserve everything you know, that they get. Uh, I, I think one of the tough things now, you know, when I was, you know, in, in Cincinnati, we could go anywhere, go out to dinner, nobody mm-hmm. bothered you. And and now with the addition of cell phones, I think the players are afraid to do too much because everything gets on video, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and they're, they're a little bit isolated, uh, you know, I think, you know, in some cases, but, you know, I, I love the way that the NFL game is played now. It's, you know, you look at, you know, Tom Brady, you know, in his 40s, still winning Super mm-hmm. Bowl, with the young guys and Patrick Mahomes and, and those guys, Kyler Murray coming up and, you know, so many great athletes. I think the NFL is in great shape as is evidenced by the new TV contracts and the networks, you know, Amazon Prime is coming in now for the, mm-hmm. the Thursday night game. So there's a, a lot of interest in the NFL and well-deserved. You know, you had a very storied career. As I mentioned, the MVP before, a Super Bowl appearance, uh, the multiple Pro Bowls. Do you sometimes wish you played in today's era where the rules seem to be much more quarterback friendly than when you were playing? Because you hold several Bengals records um, and, you know, you were pretty prolific on offense when you were playing. Do you ever sometimes sit back and say, man, if I was out there now, I'd, I'd be lighting it up? Well, if the rules were the same now, I might still be playing. I'm 72 years old. You can't hit a quarterback now. No, I, I think, you know, it, it's you've got to protect players. I, I'm all for what they've done for player safety. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was an option quarterback in college. I was pretty mobile for my, you know, at my time. And in fact, I think in 1981, our Super Bowl year was, you know, my 10th year in the league. And I was the second leading rusher on our team. I, I think I would have fit very in with the, the run pass option mm-hmm. and all the stuff that was going on today. I, I would have loved to have played in today's football. Understood. You know, and you mentioned the player safety, which has been an ongoing discussion for several years now. And we all know there's 
so many stories and so many cases of guys having different injuries and things of that nature, you know, um, and it's one of those things that can become a touchy subject for people. And you know, some people are saying, would they let their kids play football today and things of that nature? Do you ever worry about the future of the game and or, you know, what you've seen with some of your former colleagues and some of the health issues that they've had? No, you know, I, I really don't. And, and I, I think that, you know, when you start playing football as a youth, Mm-hmm. And, and I'm all for that. I didn't start playing until the seventh grade when I, I got into junior high. We didn't have any peewee football teams in those days. But I, I think if you keep kids the same age and the same weight together, uh, they're not going to get hurt any worse playing football than they are roughhousing in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think the coaching at the youth level is so much better now. I think the high school coaching is so much better. And you know, with the improvements in, in the helmet and the improvements in the, in the rules and what you can do, I, I think football, you know, anytime you have a collision sport, it's going to, there's risks you have to take. And, you know, it's the same way, whether you're, you're NASCAR, you know, whether you're playing hockey, there are certain inherent risks in the sport that you take. But, you know, football, you know, to me was, was such a great game that the, the teamwork and the camaraderie that it teaches you have lasted me for a lifetime. And, you know, and speaking of that, I was going to ask you, because a lot of people, you know, we talk to athletes, talk about, you know, their life on the field and things of that nature. What perspective do you think playing football has given you about just how to approach your day-to-day life and the appreciation you have for things now with family and friends and things of that nature? Well, you know, I, I think it's just do the best you can every day. You know, in football, when you and I loved practices maybe more than I, I loved the games and the fans just to, to go out there and, you know, you had things to work on that day and to get as good as you can that one practice, you know, for mm-hmm. those three hours and then how you prepare for the next day. And, and I think those things, you know, carry over that just, you know, wake up each day and, and be excited for the day that's ahead and do the best you can, whatever you're doing for that day. You know, and to follow up on that, you've been a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist, I believe, twice. And the NFL Network had a show where you were ranked under the top 10 players not in the hall. And I believe you were number 10 on that list. Having gotten close and having people always say, oh, you know, you should be. I know you talked about this before, but as you as you get older and, and you, you know, you look at things. Does it not does it bother you not being in the Hall of Fame? Have you made peace with it? Do you think you'll get there one day? Or what is your whole take on that subject matter now? You know, I don't know. You know, I have no say in the matter. Um, you know, I look back at my career in Cincinnati. I'm very proud of it. You know, I look back at, at the association I have with my teammates in those days. You know, I'm still close, you know, whether it's Anthony Munoz and Lapham and and Max Montoya and Chris Collinsworth, who I talked with the, the other day, and mm-hmm. the old guys, Bob Trumpy and Bob Johnson, that, that whole thing. And they've been, you know, we get together, you know, quite a bit because they've been so helpful to me and my foundation at our fundraiser. Mm-hmm. But I see those guys quite a bit. You know, Joe Walters has a golf tournament I try to get to. And, and, and so those guys, you know, we, we communicate a lot. And I'm very proud of what we did for the Bengals, what we did for Cincinnati. The first time I was eligible after five years and I didn't make it, I was disappointed. Mm-hmm. After that, you have no control over it. Um, you know, if it happens, it happens, but it's not something that I, I sit and lament over, you know, very mm-hmm. often. I understand. Because obviously you found other ways to fulfill your time, obviously with the foundation. You know, with with uh, your nonprofit, just how fulfilling is it for you to be able to help those adults that you're helping and be able to see them live their lives. And do you almost feel a responsibility having been able to enjoy the career that you've had and have some notoriety and status to try to give back in this type of way? Cause obviously you had the family connection, but you've been doing this to help countless people throughout the years for, I guess, what, almost what, 20 to 30 years at this point. You know, I, I think we all have a responsibility to give back and, you know, I, I've been lucky that I've had a, a platform, you know, that I could do it. And I, I kind of have a saying that, you know, sometimes in life you have one chance to make a difference. And I, I think the Ken Anderson Alliance is my chance to make a difference, you know, for the lives of some of the people in, in Cincinnati. And so I'm very proud, you know, of what we're doing there and, and to see, oh, we couldn't have it last year uh, uh, again, 
because of the pandemic, but we have an event that's called Stadium Stride. Okay. And we, you know, we go and we walk around the Bengal Stadium. We actually go on the field and we have different obstacle courses that we have, you know, down there. But to, to see some of our adults come down and just to be able to throw a football with them and to see them try to run a 40-yard dash and the different things that we have going on, to see the look on their faces, the excitement mm -hmm. that they have to do something like that and to be able to share that with them uh, is you know, probably more exciting than anything I did, you know, playing in the National Football League. I understand, you know, but given that point, I have to ask, because, you know, I, like so many, am a long-suffering Bengals fan. I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, and, you know, I'm hoping that one day I will be able to get that Super Bowl victory or something of that nature. And, you know, uh, a lot of people are very critical of the Bengals organization. As a former player, as someone who knows the team pretty intimately, what is it like for you to have watched the team have its various struggles over the last few years? And, you know, what do you see as being that proverbial light at the end of the tunnel that may give myself and anyone else that still wears their orange and black faithfully some hope for a change or some positive vibes going forward? Joe Burrow, <laughs> uh, he is the real deal. I'm so excited they, they drafted him and, you know, was so disappointed for him that he got hurt last mm -hmm. year. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, sometimes people get frustrated that, uh, they, they, they don't know, I, I guess, ownership like, like I do. And, and, and Mike Brown, you know, I, I, I wish he had a personality that let him be more outgoing. I know they want to win. They want to do the right thing that they do a tremendous amount of good, you know, in the community. Um, I'm a big fan of Zach Taylor. Mm -hmm. and the job that he's doing. Um, so we just got to, you know, I think everybody knows we got to get some guys up front to protect Joe a little bit. But mm -hmm. um, I, I think they're going in the right direction. And so, uh, you know, I, I think his rehab's going good. And so I think we have to be patient with him, not rush him. But uh, we got to get five guys up in front to give him a little time too. I understand. You know, you you had a, a, a nice coaching career that culminated with a Super Bowl ring, not with the Bengals, but with the Steelers, which I had to I had to deal with on my own. But did you're you not ever, the only one. <laughs> I, I understand. Did you ever have aspirations of be trying to become a head coach or I mean, not or but if, and if so, rather, uh, did you ever hope that you might get a chance to be the head coach of the Bengals or is being a head coach more responsibility than you really wanted to have? No, I, I, I think it's. You know, I have a, a coaching mentor. His name's Tom Moore. He's mm -hmm. 82, and he's still coaching down with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, you know, I met him in, in 1975 when he was with the Steelers. Um, you know, he was Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator for most of, of his uh, years. And he and I have become very close. He was, like I say, coaching mentor of mine. Mm -hmm. And he said, always told me, he says, Kenny, there's nothing wrong with being a good assistant coach. And so I just always aspired to do the best job that I could with what I was doing and wherever it took me, that was fine for me. But I was always, like I said, if I could go in prepared every day, challenge the players that I was coaching and make them better, then I was very satisfied with that. And would it have been great? I was a coordinator for a couple of years in Cincinnati. And mm -hmm. It would have been nice to have been a head coach but I was very satisfied, like I say, to just, uh, I was, you know, you know, uh, very fortunate to be with, you know, some good head coaches, you know, and, and to work for them. And, and, and like I say, and, and to challenge my quarterbacks to make them as good as they could be. Uh, I, I was very content with that. Understood. You know, so since I will probably never get one unless I win one via a lottery, what is it like to have a Super Bowl ring that you can just go look at and like, oh, yeah. I was partially responsible for that. Well, I, I tell you, the, the, the exciting thing one of it was, you know, I'm up in the press box, you know, and we, we, we had a lead in, in Pittsburgh near the end of the game. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, the Cardinals, uh, Larry Fitzgerald goes down the middle. They score. Now we're behind. And, and Ben Roethlisberger was, uh, had a tremendous year for us. And I was always great in a two-minute drill. And so I was, okay, we got a chance. Of course, the first play he's sacked and we lose 10 yards and now it's not looking good. And of course, you know, he bails it out and, and we win and it was exciting and, and got back to the team hotel. And, you know, I was on a different bus with my wife and, and my family. And, and so you're kind of in the, 
uh, the hotel bar, which was all, you know, taken over by the Steelers, you know, waiting for everybody to, to show up. And mm -hmm. it was so great because, you know, a, a lot of, you know, I was good friends with Joe Green and Lynn Swan and Andy Russell and Jack Ham and Mike White, a lot of those Steelers anyway. Mm -hmm. and so I'm, I'm at the bar waiting for everybody to show up and they all came, hey, congratulations, Kenny. He said, you finally get a Super Bowl ring. You had to come to Pittsburgh to get it. You know, I was going to say the, the Pittsburgh uh, Cincinnati rivalry is strong as almost any other rivalry I can think of in sports. There's Lakers, Celtics, you know, there's, I mean, what is Celtics? Almost everybody, it seems like, uh, and different sports and whatnot. To have, to, to have been part of that rivalry as both a player and a coach and to be part of that rivalry for both the Bengals and on the Pittsburgh side, just how intense is it? And what was it like to have been on opposite sides in different roles? Well, you know, I, I think it was different when I played. Okay. Um, it was a rivalry. And one of the things I'm most proud of is, is the Steelers, that, that team that they had in the 70s and 80s made been the greatest team of all time. And if you look at, at, at our record when I was the starting quarterback against the Steelers in those, year, those years, we had by far the best record against them of any team in the league. So I was very proud of that. But at least when I played, it was a rivalry, rivalry but one of respect. And uh, I'll just share a story with you. That yes. It's 1979. That was the worst Bengals team I'd ever played on. We were awful. Okay. And, you know, we're playing at Pittsburgh late in the year and we're getting killed. And Joe Green sacks me in the fourth quarter again. He's laying on top of me. He says, hey, Kenny, why don't you come into the locker room for a beer after the game? <laughs> and so at the old uh, Three Rivers Stadium, the locker rooms were right next to each other. Mm -hmm. So I go in and the, the, their locker room, I showered quickly. The first guy I see is Terry Bradshaw. And he stops his media interviews and takes me to the, the back of their locker room. And they, they turned off the sauna. And had a garbage can full of beer in there. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, that's the, the three level of seats there. And, and Terry shoes a couple guys away. And we're sitting there. I have two or three beers. I'm feeling better about life. And, you know, like I said, we were having a bad year. I was having a bad year. And go out to catch the team buses to go to the airport. They've gone. Oh, go, oh my gosh. They're going to kill me. You know, I, I've got to, you know. Buy my, I got, I'm going to get fined and I got to buy my own ticket from Pittsburgh to Cincinnati. And so I'm running around looking for a cab and there goes the equipment truck. And I flag the equipment truck down and I, I catch it. I ride to the airport. And for some reason, our plane was late getting in and they pulled the, the, the truck up to where the plane was going to come. And a security guard lets me in the side door and everybody's standing around. And at, at first I'm upset. Mm -hmm. and the starting quarterback's not there and they don't know. Then I thought maybe they know and they just don't care. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, still today, uh, you know, it was just, you know, a year ago that uh, I played golf down here in Hilton Head with, uh, with Jack Ham and, and, um, and Mike uh, Wagner. So uh, still stay in touch with some of those guys. <coughs> Very nice. That's, uh, you always got to make sure you got your quarterback because otherwise you're going to have to put in the backup. And sometimes that works in the case of Tom Brady and there's a bunch of guys whose football cards are, at the store still. Uh, you know, I was going to ask you, sir, because uh, you mentioned, you know, being on bad teams. Athletes want to win. So how do you deal with being on a bad team as a player? And what is it like dealing with fans who can't seem to realize that while they root for the team, they're not on the team? And it's like, hey, I know you're really passionate about this, but back up. I'm trying to, like, live life or be with my family right now. Well, it, it, it's it's different. You know, every player gets booed. You know, mm -hmm. you know every quarterback that, that I've known has been booed. You know, it's not always roses, and you you, you learn to live with that. And, and you go through some some struggles. You know, on teams, and you know, I've been on some losing teams, but I I think you know you go to work every day because you love your teammates, and and you go to work every day because you want to win, and you'll do anything it takes to win, and you know, and so you go out to practice and you try to get better, as I said earlier, you know, that, mm -hmm. that practice, you know, that day to get ready for the next game. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, you're just outmanned, you know, and, and but although I, I will say one thing, I, I think it might have been that 79 team that we, we were 0-7 mm -hmm. and the 
Steelers were 7-0. They came to Cincinnati, and they would go on to win a Super Bowl, uh, and we beat them 34-7. to uh, they didn't score till the fourth quarter. So, uh, you know, you, you always you always got to play the game, and, you know, we played to win. Understood. Given everything that you've been able to enjoy throughout your course of your life, on the field, away from the field, what do you hope that your legacy will be when people reflect on it one day? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I tell you... Uh, you know, when I think about legacy, I only think about one thing. I've, I've got six grandkids. Okay. And, you know, and they mean the world to my, my wife and I. And, and I always remember how my three children, you know, looked up to my grandfather, to, to my dad, uh, to my mom. And that was their grandma and grandpa. And if I can have my grandkids think of me the same way my kids thought of my mom and dad, my life will have been a success. So that's, that's the only thing that I worry about. And, and uh, like I say, we've got um, my, my, my daughter and her husband are bringing the, the two granddaughters down uh, this week and okay. we're ready for them and we're going to spoil them to death. And we got golf carts to ride and we got, to, we got to go to the beach and, you know, they get to do the things that they want. They get spoiled for a week. And so I'm looking forward to that. And my son just came with our little two-year-old granddaughter and, uh, you know, she was so much fun and we just encouraged them to go out at night so we could have her all to ourselves. Oh, nice. So that's, uh, that's, you know, kind of our life right now. It's a very simple life. I, I, I play golf and we work in the yard and, you know, and, and we work on our foundation and we're, we're very happy with what we're doing. I got, you're still doing yard work? Oh yeah, that's great. Well, today, today we had the, the, the pressure wash the lanai. We've had a lot of pollen down here. We got to get ready. Okay. To come down so my wife and i spent the day pressure washing the lanai to get that cleaned up for them and yep you know more power to you my mom loves to garden my mom gardens wherever she can uh I, you know i do the yard work because i have to because i am single as a dollar uh so i do what i can <laughs> but maybe i'll I, maybe i'll learn to embrace it more when I, when I start to get to that age where i'm like you know what this isn't so bad but you know but before i forget because i know we're running a little bit shorter on I'm time gonna, uh, i'm gonna tell you back when i come to town oh, yes. give you a call and for a, a case of Keystone Light, I'll come over and do your yard for you. You know what? That'll work. And then I can show you my I can show you my homage to the Bengals in my basement, which hopefully will not scare a woman off. If I can just find a good Day fan, maybe she'll be appreciative of it. Uh, be before I forget, sir, uh, plug yourself. Where can people uh, find you online? Or if they want to contact the foundation, please let people know. Well, uh, you know, you can get me on Twitter, Ken Anderson NFL. That's Ken Anderson NFL. Um, you know, you can always get a hold of me through our foundation, which is okay. KenAndersonAlliance.org. And, and I encourage people to, to go there to see what we're all about. And I, I think you'd be very impressed and, you know, uh, and, and want to be involved with that. And like I say, if you need a jersey, if you need a helmet, if you need a lot of different things, we've got it all in our store right there. Very nice. And now I just have a couple of uh, quick round robin, quick hit questions to, 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 to go out on. So are you ready for some rapid fire questions, sir? I am. All right. First question. If you could be the coach of any team in the NFL, what team would you pick and why right now? Well, I would pick the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, okay. that, that's my, my, my team, my hometown team. And, and they got a quarterback that's going to be a, a real good player. Uh, you know, I, I know one thing you can't win without a quarterback and we got a quarterback. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, when you played, you had a rather iconic Tom Selleck-esque mustache, which you have since gone clean shaven. I was going to say, uh, what happened with the mustache? Well, you know, as, as the, when I got done playing and, and the coach and some of the, the players, uh, that I coached saw it, they, they referred to it as my porno stash. <laughs> <laughs> If that's the case, it better go. <laughs> Understood. Uh, also, uh, you know, you are a man that enjoys a good round of golf, as you have mentioned. Um, if you could play with anyone throughout the history of time, who would you want to hit the links with? Wow. I, I think right now, uh, one of the guys would be Peyton Manning because he, he's a member of Augusta National. That might get me on there. <laughs> Okay. So that he would be one of the guys, but I, I think you know some of the younger guys on tour now. You know the Jordan Spieth and uh, the Justin Thomas. I would really love to play around the golf with those young guys. 
Okay. Uh, who is the most underappreciated player you ever played with or against? I got two of them. Okay. Uh, Isaac Curtis and Kenny Riley. Um, Kenny Riley, unfortunately, has passed away, but he is fourth on the all-time list of interceptions in the NFL. The three guys above him are in the Hall of Fame. Um, he played in an era where, you know, we didn't throw as much. Um, I don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. And Isaac Curtis is one of the great receivers of all time and gets no respect. Mm. You know, as you mentioned before, you fancy yourself a nice beer every once in a while. What is your favorite brand and what makes for a good beer? Um, my favorite brand is Keystone Light. It's a, it's a Coors product. Uh, you know, for years I was associated I uh, had a couple of Coors distributorships, one in Northern Kentucky, one in, in Dayton, Ohio. So I've stayed loyal to that product. And, you know, to me, lighter's better. <laughs> so, okay. So I, I don't know, but it's very refreshing. And like I say, if I'm going to go out to have a, a couple of beers, it's a couple of six packs. So, you know, IPAs, you can't drink that many, but I can Coors, or Coors Light and Keystone Light. I got you. You know, if you were uh, getting ready to draft a, a player to build a franchise around coming out of this year's draft, who's who's got your eye this year coming out of the college ranks? Well, you know, I mean, I think it's got to be Trevor Lawrence. You know, he, I think he's he may be a generational quarterback. And if that's the case, I have not studied him, but I kind of listen to a lot of the reports and what's going to happen. And as I said earlier, you can't win without a quarterback. And uh, if he's that generational quarterback, you got to take him. You know, a lot of athletes get endorsement deals or endorsement offers. What was the most unusual endorsement request you ever got? And did you take it? Uh, I think it was to be a spokesperson for the National Coffee Council. Really? Yes. Uh, what is the story behind this? Well, I don't know. They asked me to do it and it would kind of, it, it picks you up as it calms you down. And so I was one of the persons they had, they kind of had a, a thing to go, but um, I, I, I will say, well, maybe the, the best thing is that I, I got a letter from Playgirl magazine that wanted me to pose and, and offered me some money to do that. And, and I, I turned that one down, but I, I still have the letter that just to prove that, that I was asked to do that. See, we talked about the mustache. That mustache, I'm telling you, sir, it had more power than you realized. I'm just saying. Never know. I'm just saying that one. I think I heard the wife giggle in the background on that one. So, <laughs> you know, so there you go. And, uh, you know, lastly, sir, uh, you know, we, we talked about football. We talked about life, things of that nature. If you were going to give advice to a parent that says, you know, I think my kid might have some talent for a sport, not football, could be gymnastics, could be tennis, anything in general. What is the one thing that you wish you knew before you became a professional athlete that you would think would help someone if they were trying to pursue their sport as a future career? I think, you know, looking back, I think it's playing multiple sports. You know, I think kids today, get so ingrained, whether it's tennis, whether it's golf, whether it's basketball, that, that you have to play only one sport. And I think back, you know, in my, I always thought maybe, maybe baseball is my best sport. I was a catcher. And I think the overhand release came from learning to throw runners out of second base and the ball wouldn't tail. You know, I also played a little shortstop. There was good footwork there. You know, I, I played basketball. You know, and I, I think the, the footwork and the discipline they have there helped me to play, you know, football as well. So I, I think be varied in what you do athletically. Don't get tied in at a young age, at least, you know, too early. Understand. And, you know, I almost forgot one thing that a friend of mine wanted me to ask because he's a Pittsburgh fan. So he's hoping you're going to say Pittsburgh. Who was the player that hit you the hardest or that you hated knowing you were going to have to face on Sundays? Well, I'm going to say this. The hardest hit I ever took was the one I didn't take. That We're playing Houston. And so I don't know what it was, but Elvin Bethay's coming from one side, Curly Culp's coming from the other. And Two Hall of Famers. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was, but something told me to duck, and I did. And I must admit, my eyes were closed, and I – I didn't get hit, so I scrambled for, forward, made a couple of yards. 
I look back and they're both laying there unconscious. That you look at the film, one was gonna put one helmet on one ear hole, one on the other would have killed me. I ducked, they hit head on. So that, that that's the one, that would have been the, 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 the one hardest hit, but I never took it. There you go. And that's how you escape, move. When, they, when in doubt, move. And speaking or, or, of move. Or, or, or when in doubt, duck. <laughs> yes, very true. We, yeah, Looney Tunes cartoons pay off sometimes when you watch those things that Bugs and company do. Well, sir, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with me here. And thank all of you for listening to this episode of A Tight 45. And that is a wrap on yet another episode of A Tight 45. I want to thank my guest, Mr. Kenny Anderson, Ken Anderson, if he prefers, for taking time out to join me for this episode to talk about life, football, and just have a nice, happy chat. And of course, be sure to check out the Ken Anderson Alliance for all the good things that they're trying to do throughout the community in the greater Cincinnati region. And once you get done doing that, feel free to head on over to tabarimccoy.com. You can find out where I'm going to be. Like last night at the Liberty Funny Bone. I'm actually saying this before the show happened. So if the show was a disaster, it never happened. If the show went great, hopefully I'll be back. You never know. I uh, got the call to come in last minute. Got a chance to open up for Miss Kristen e. Porter, who is the star of The Christie Show. So uh, I am saying all of this before the show goes down. So once again, I hope it was a smashing success of a night. And if it wasn't, uh, it never happened. And my name is Phil Pointer. In any case, thank you for being sure to check out this episode of A Tight 45. And right about now, I believe it's time for that smooth R&B track to kick in and let my voice begin to fade out. So once again, thank you for tuning in to this episode of A Tight 45.